Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable with Dr. Conway Edwards. We're a podcast where we bring in leaders from across the country to talk leadership because we believe leadership makes a difference. Whether we're in church, business, nonprofit, we believe when leaders get better, everyone gets better. And we are thrilled today. We have a special guest for you. Her name is Melissa Russell. She's with someone, something called IJM, the International Justice Mission. How are you doing I'm today? I'm great, man. It's good to be with you. Awesome. Yeah. We're so glad to have you on the podcast Thanks and to talk leadership. Yeah. And um, before we even jump in, though, I wanted to know a little bit about what is IJM, yeah. what's the International Justice Mission. Thank you for asking. And it really is so, it's great to be with you. So awesome. thanks for having me. So IJM, IJM is the world's largest anti-slavery organization. So we're in 19 uh, offices around the world. Uh, we fight uh, slavery and oppression, uh, violent oppression, primarily against women and children. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with IJM yeah. and what you're doing there now. So so currently I'm our president for our North America region, and I've been with IJM about 12 years now. And, you know, I first heard about IJM at my church, my pastor. Pastors have such a tremendous influence. And uh, this I was probably like 2002, 2003, when I very first heard it was the first time ever I had heard a pastor actually preach on justice and God's heart for justice and how fixing the broken things of this world, fixing uh, the brokenness that causes injustice is actually a part of our call uh, as God's children. And I'd ne I truly had never heard that before. And I was so inspired. He talked about IJM in his sermon. And then I went home and went online, went to IJM.org and became a donor. That was the first thing I did uh, was make a gift because I really did love their work. So, so it went from becoming just a donor to now president of North America. Yeah. How what how did that passion get ignited inside of you? Gosh, you know that's such a uh, it's a great question. When I, you know, when I really started to lean into the scriptures of God's call for justice and was looking at uh, just sort of the context of, a, of the global injustice that was happening and the injustice that happens here in the United States, there was just something like deep. Mm -hmm. The only way I can describe it is like there was like a fire in my soul. Mm -hmm. there, tru there truly was a fire in my soul. And I became so, I became so inspired uh, and wanted to get in, wanted to get involved. It's, it was like I, there was, I had to get involved. So this is obviously one of your whys. This is what you're called to do. And I, I think as we talk leadership, we see a lot of people in today's world want to get behind something. They want to get behind a cause. They want to get behind a mission. And when you discover your why, it just does something inside of you. Mm -hmm. And how does your why then begin to fuel your passion to make a difference and to keep giving back and, and giving all you have to an organization like this? Well, I don't, I don't think it happens all at once. I do think the key... So I think one of the key things is, is perseverance. And so I would say wherever God calls you, just truly Satan will meet you there too, to delay you and depress you. Uh, and so I would just say there, because when God calls us into good things, and so that's what everything is, is the redemption of the brokenness of the world. IJM is, IJM is the organization I choose to, to do that with and the mission, but there's a lot of great missions out there. That's what all churches do. That's what medical uh, redemption is about. That's what housing and water, like there is so much redeeming of the world, which is part of bringing heaven here to earth. 
But man, when you step into that, you're stepping right in in the line. And so I think Satan, I think Satan meets you there. And I think without prayer and without perseverance, ultimately the power of God uh, won't be able to go through. That perseverance is probably the main, the main part of the leadership, honestly. And what you guys are doing is making a huge impact. Um, and I like what you said, how the devil's going to meet you right there. Yeah. Uh, a matter of fact, I heard that when IJM was starting, yeah, that you guys were basically told that this you you can't do this. Right. This right, is right. not something you can just go do. Yeah. For a leader listening and having a call and a vision to accomplish something right. and being told you cannot do this, yeah. how do you get past that hurdle yeah, when the world's so against you? That's such a great question. Because when IJM was started, regardless of where we were going, so if it was in uh, in Southeast Asia rescuing children from brothels, that's what we did. We addressed sex trafficking. Or in Guatemala, it's child sexual assault, and that is trying to get convictions against perpetrators who abuse children. And really, just because in a lot of these places, the the criminal uh, justice system is so broken, really experts in the field said, this is, these things are going to be impossible. It's, it is so beyond redemption. Uh, people are too corrupt. Uh, the process is too broken. This is just the way things are here. And I do. I mean, the Bible is so very clear that there is nothing impossible for God. And if justice is a part of what he calls us to do and redemption of the brokenness in the world, he doesn't ask us to do the miracles. And so that's the thing with leadership, right? He's just asking you to show up with what you have, your fish and your loaves. And then he does the miracle of feeding the 5,000. He doesn't just meet the need, actually. He creates, you know, 12 extra basketfuls. So he, it was never a close call. But and he makes that very clear time and time and time again. But it's God's power, but it is your it is your purpose and perseverance to step into that, to allow that power to run through. Wow. Yeah. So when you talk about working with um, corrupt or even broken governments and systems yeah. across the globe, yeah. um, collaboration is huge. Yeah. And uh, that's a huge buzzword in leadership today. Yeah. Collaborate, collaborate. And here you are trying to collaborate with different organizations and systems across the globe. What does that look like for you, for your organization to do that? How do you achieve success in building those bridges? Right. Well, so fundamentally, the work that IGM does is... Uh, is someone else's responsibility. It's another institution's responsibility. It's it's the institution of the government to protect the most vulnerable in communities. And so when that is broken down, that's where IJM comes in to help conduct rescue operations, to help push cases through the system. And so to, to be able to do that by partnership, like that's not what IJM's job is long-term. I mean, honestly, long-term our job is to work ourselves out of a job so that you have government institutions that own the protection of their own citizens. But yeah, you've got to partner with them. You've got to work with them. You've got to be honest with them. You've got to really serve them and show them how you can help build capacity. Uh, and, and so there's a lot, you know, it's a real honest partnership. Uh, you've got to really, you've got to really engage. And it's hard, you know, yeah, it is true. Wherever people are are uh, vulnerable wherever there is just a disruption of power, wherever you see especially slavery thrive, typically people in power are benefiting from that. Now, it's not going to be all people, but there's going to be a lot of corruption in the places where we work. And so really figuring out, and that's the benefit of IGM's work, you're in the system, so you know who, who the good actors are, who the, who the not great actors are, 
And and again, it's it's a perseverance because iJam's work is not a like one and done thing. It is a is a multi year solution to to a to a broken problem. And so, but yeah, corporations. We partner with corporations. We partner with all sorts of donors. I mean, it's we want anyone and everyone to partner. Now, what do your teams look like across the globe? Yeah. Is it just you sending out people from here to go make oh, a difference, or what, what does it yeah. look like out there all over? Yeah. No. So, so we have we have 19 offices around the world, working in places where there's extreme violence against the vulnerable poor. But our, our field offices are 95% national leadership. So they are they are leaders in their own country helping to fix the brokenness in their own communities. And so it's not it's not a strategy to send expats from the US or to Canada or Australia. And certainly we do in, in some of these offices, especially around some of our specialty needs. But really what you're trying to do is, is encourage leaders in their own community to support those leaders to, to work alongside their national government. So that's one of my favorite things about IJAM is the international diversity of our organization. Now, how do you guys, when you, how do you build a bridge to connect with people in that culture that have the same heart that you have? And how do you build that team that's not here in the U.S. to make a difference? It's, you know, it's really funny. So for the first, and probably, it'll probably be our only time to be able to do it because it, it's such an investment. But for our 20-year celebration, all 1,000 IJM staff from around the world actually got together last year here wow. in Texas. Wow. Uh, and we went to Sky Ranch. <laughs> I mean, and I, when I say everyone, I mean everyone from our offices in South Asia, Southeast Asia, Latin America, Africa, we all gathered together. And so it was really funny because obviously we're all from different countries. Many of us speak different languages, uh, come from you know different cultures, but there was a commonality. One, I mean, the commonality of seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. That is just a part of our calling as believers and our DNA as an organization. But then I would just say there is a culture of, of excellence on behalf of who we work for. So it's just extremely important that when we do something that we were a credible organization. And I mean, from the biggest detail to the smallest, like let's not have too many typos or any typos in the legal briefs that we put forward because we we want to be taken seriously because we take our clients seriously. So, so I would just say there's a culture of excellence. And then, you know, we have shared values, Christian, professional, and bridge building. And so we really live those out in the places where we work. And we get together. I mean, we, we get together once globally because that is just such a wonderful thing. But every region gets together quarterly uh, to, to fellowship and to have rest. And it's it's good. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, alignment is huge. And there's certain things when you tap into a why that's that powerful that I assume just kind of yeah. transcends different cultures. It does. It truly does. Wow. It truly does. Well, tell me a little bit about what it looks like um, for you anytime and for other leaders listening, whenever there's a big vision, a yeah. big mission in front of us, something huge. Um, really, if it's not outside of who we are, it's probably not a God thing. So mm -hmm. when you reach outside of yourself, you usually have to raise funds. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, money becomes involved because big yeah. missions usually not cheap. Yeah. So what? How do you? Uh, what do you guys do to raise funds for something like this? 
Well, I'm so so I'm so glad you asked. So prior to serving as president of North America, I was our chief advancement officer, which meant I was in charge of our global revenue. So I've thought very long and very hard about about fundraising. So really a, a few things. Again, what's the lens we look at everything through from a biblical perspective? And so First Corinthians 12, we're one body, many parts. And verse 18 says, you know, he has placed each part exactly where he intended it to be, right? And so when you think about a mission, the mission of, uh, you know, there's the work in the field and donors are not the means. It's not like the mission is happening over here and then donors are this means to get the mission done. If you're taking 1 Corinthians 12 seriously as a leader, you will understand that it is all one mission, and God, God has placed each part exactly where he needed to be. So he intends for people to be in spaces where they can be generating revenue and giving it to other parts of the body that are executing a different part of the work. Part of the work. So I would just say, if leaders like that is like the core thing, because that honestly informs how you literally do everything, how you communicate with people, how you engage with them, the authenticity, how. How do you see yourself? Because that can be a power dynamic, but no, if you see yourself as one body, many parts, there's a, an appreciation there. So I feel very passionate about that because I think that's what the Bible drives us to. But also, you know, Deuteronomy talks about how, you know, because money can be weird. You know, people, it really, it's like the weirdest thing in all of Christian world to talk about. Money can be weird. And I think we often see our gifts as like, it's very easy for someone to talk about their skill set to be used in behalf of their work or mission. But money, I think we confuse it. We think that it belongs to people. And I think there's a logical reason I, we think that is because you work and then you get a paycheck and that somehow that paycheck then belongs to you. But Deuteronomy says, you may say you have produced this wealth for yourself, but it is the Lord who gave you the skills and as well. So honor him with your wealth. And so really you can look at money as like you would anything else. It's a gift from the Lord and the Bible is always so clear about how we should use gifts. So the gift of relationship, the gift of food, the gift of drink, like whatever it is, there's always a proper context for how we use God's gifts. And the proper context for the gift of money is to be generous. And scripture, there's like 2,000 verses on it. Let's unpack them all today. I'm just Let's kidding. go. Let's, Let's go. not, we won't unpack them all today. But there's so much, and because it can get confusing. So, you know, that frees you up to like ask people generously because it is good to be generous because that's how God created that gift to be used. I love that statement that that money's, it's, it's meant to be used in a generous way. Yeah. That's so powerful. Now, um, as you unlock that in people's lives, how they are not just giving, but when they give, they're a part of what you're doing. Yeah. How do you keep donors um, kind of in the loop as to what's going on? So yeah. as they give and they know they're a part of something huge, what do you do on the backside of that to kind of um, help them be aware of how their gifts are making an impact? Well, I mean, certainly within the last four years, I would say the di digital disruption that's happened for anyone who's been leading communicating digitally, having ways for a lot of people, especially if you if you do mass fundraising, mass revenue generation, having really good ways of engaging people digitally. Uh, but that would be on social, through email. We still send hard mail because, again, you know, that's something that people can hold on to and look at. And 
but we also have a lot of relationship builders. And so depending on the partnership, how you do that. And then again, you know, if it's a partnership, if you have talked with people, you understand what God's calling them, what they are passionate about. When you meet with them, you're able to talk about the work in that context as well. And so I think that's really important. And um, I really just think you have one of the most, your organization has one of the most compelling mm. whys as to why you do what you do. Mm. Um, it's a compelling cause and it's a biblical cause and it makes a difference. Yeah. And um, uh, we're grateful to have you here today. Now, before we wrap up today, okay. I want to ask you, um, leading large at a big organization, yeah. um, you have a family, husband, kids. Mm-hmm. For leaders listening who are leading large, how does it work for family and kids to come together with leading in a large organization? How does that all mix up for you? Uh, well, so I've talked about this before. There are problems to solve, but there are mainly tensions to manage. And I would say sort of, if the question is how, how do all of those things work together? That's a tension to manage. So I would say probably earlier in my leadership, that pendulum swing of, uh, too much on this side or too much on the other. And was a lot wider. Like it just would swing a lot uh, further back and forth. I'd say over the years, especially leading, that pendulum swing has gotten smaller, but it's still there. Like it's not, it's not, there's no like perfect, there is no perfect. It will just depend in the moment. But goodness, I think for what has helped, what has helped me get to that space, one is I do know what burnout feels like. I've, I've, I have burnt out before. And I think probably a lot of people in leadership and ministry and mission have. So I do know what it feels like when I'm getting too close to that point. And so I'm, I'm aware of my body. I'm aware of my situation. I know what my warning signs are and, and I, I, I listen to them. So I don't push, I don't blow past those anymore. Um, but I would, I would also say I've just identified the things that really matter to me. So both at work, certainly, but also at home and in our personal lives. Like, these are the things that really matter. This is the thing, the sort of things I want to be at. These are the sort of things I want to do. This is the sort of things we want to do together. And I'm clear about those things. And those are the things I focus on. And then th- there's other stuff that's like, that would be a nice to have, but not a have to have. And that's a little gray. And so I really focus on the the things that, you know, I prioritize. And I even with my kids... You know, there's things that I would prioritize, but I have, I really have intentionally asked the question and for my husband too, like, what is it that makes you feel most loved? Is it that if I'm on the field trip or is it if I'm at home by the certain, like, what is the thing? And it's really interesting. You think you know the answer until you actually ask the question and you're like, I would not have known, but it is really important to you that I, you know, make a sit down dinner on Sunday or not, or I thought that was important, but really it matters to you that I drive your soccer carpool. But like, you have to ask those questions. Ask yeah, yeah. the question. Yeah. That is What so makes good. you feel loved? You just made me think, oh, because there's certain things we, th- we think communicate value yeah. and it might not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because um, I hear, I hear leaders say, you know, um, f- wrestle with the fact of maybe family always has to win or maybe work always has to win or sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. And it's, I just find it's it's a rhythm, and sometimes we're in seasons where one is getting more time than the other, but it's not 
that like I find this this fallacy of some balance some that we're perfect. all aiming for this perfect world. Man, that is too much pressure. Yeah, just to just try to get the perfect balance and feel like one that that's attainable, and then two that I mean that's just too much pressure. So yeah, it's a it's a tension to manage, and sometimes the, the personal wins out, and sometimes there's something urgent, something someone needs something at work, and when you're working in violence, like there's always something that is urgent, and so yeah, I get that. IJM, International Justice Mission. Yeah. Um, what would you say for our listeners listening today is the biggest way we could be praying for what you guys are doing right Oh, my now? goodness. Thank you so much. Okay, I, will, I can say so many, but I will, I, will, I will temper myself. Okay, we have spent the last 20 years developing this vaccine, which is really if you hold people accountable to crimes, you will greatly reduce the, the crimes, especially in the developing mm -hmm. world, especially around – um, uh, slavery. It's mm -hmm. just an economic crime. So now we're just trying to figure out how to scale this vaccine. So it has been proven out. We've reduced slavery in the places where we work by up to 79%. In some places, it's amazing. But now we want to get it to so many more places. And so just the wisdom on scaling, how we can build new partnerships, I would just appreciate your prayers. Because there's so much power, especially in North America, the region I lead. There's so much money. There's so much political will. There's so much corporate power. How can we leverage that on behalf of those who have had their power taken from them in the most violent ways around the world? And so I would just appreciate your prayers for wisdom and resources. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. It's been great. Um, leaders, thank you for listening in yeah. today. As we've talked with Melissa, we've talked about... Um, getting behind a huge why and a big cause. We've talked about collaboration, about team leadership, about fundraising, and we've talked about family. Hmm. So leaders, you've got a lot to chew on. We want to thank you for joining us today. Melissa, thank Thanks, you Matt. so much. Um, if this has been helpful to you, it'd be helpful to us if you help us get the word out about this podcast. If you could go wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review, if you could rate us, and if you could most importantly share with somebody you think this would be beneficial to. We're so grateful you joined us today and we look forward to joining with you next month. God bless.